This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I will stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe through this beauty we can find truth and how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations, or I would like some help. Let us begin. We are still working through measure for measure. And we are about to see if Angelo is going to live up to his part of the bargain and pardon Claudio. And the provost who is is in charge and who has been tasked with executing Claudio, seeing he's executed, just received a letter from Angelo. And he is in the, co- in the company of the Duke, still pretending to be the friar. Duke, pray you, let's hear. <clears throat> provost reads the letter. Whatsoever you may hear to the contrary, let Claudio be executed by four of the clock and in the afternoon, Barnardine. For my better satisfaction, let me have Claudio's head sent me by five. Let this be duly performed, let this be duly performed with the thought that more depends on it than we must yet deliver. Thus fail not to do your office, as you will answer it at your peril. What say you to this, sir? Well, I think that uh, Angelo is being very very mean and bad and evil thing to do. Uh, not only did Claudio not deserve to be executed, Isabella, he supposes that Isabella gave herself to him uh, as a bargain, that uh, he would in turn let Claudio go. And not only is he not going to let Claudio be pardoned, uh, he wants him to be executed right away instead of the murderer, uh, Barnadine, who, uh, who doesn't care anything about whether he lives or dies. Um, and also, he wants Claudio's head. How bloodthirsty can you get? Well, let's see what the Duke says about it. Duke, what is that Barnadine who is to be executed in the afternoon? Provost, a Bohemian born, but here nursed up and bred, a one that is prisoner nine years old. So he must have been, uh, let's see, he's been a prisoner for nine years, I would guess. That is what I mean. Not, he's a nine year old boy. Duke, how came it that the absent duke had not either delivered him to his liberty or executed him? I've heard it was ever his manner to do so, provost. His friends still wrought reprieves for him, and indeed his fact till now in the government of Lord Angelo came not to an undoubtful proof. Duke, is it now apparent, provost, most manifest and not denied by himself, duke? Hath he borne himself penitentially in prison? How seems he to be touched, provost? A man that apprehends death no more dreadfully but as a drunken sleep, careless, reckless, and fearless of what's past, present, or to come, insensible of mortality, and desperately mortal. Okay, that reads almost like a a catalog and a confession or something. He's careless, reckless, fearless of what's past, present, or to come. He's insensible of mortality. That is, he doesn't even seem to think about his death. He wants advice, provost. He will hear none. He hath evermore had the liberty of the prison. Give him leave to escape hence. He would not. Drunk many times a day, if not many days, entirely drunk. 
We have oft awaked him as if to carry him to execution and showed him a seeming warrant for it, if not moved him at all. Okay, so uh, apparently in prison theory, you could sit around and get drunk all day, or at least uh, Barnardine did. And uh, they had fake executions for him, which I understand the Russian czar used to do pretty uh, frequently. Dostoevsky suffered through one of those. Uh, and it certainly changed Dostoevsky, but to Barnardine here, he doesn't care. Duke, more of him anon. There is written in your brow, provost, honesty and constancy. If I read it truly, my ancient skill beguiles me. But in the boldness of my cunning, I will lay myself in hazard. Claudio, whom here you have warrant to execute, is no greater forfeit to the law than Angelo, who has sentenced him. To make you understand this in a manifested effect, I crave but four days' respite, for the which you are to do me both a present and a dangerous courtesy. Provost, pray, sir, in what? Duke, in the delaying death. Provost, alack, how may I do it, having the hour limited and an express command under penalty to deliver his head in the view of Angelo, I may make my case as Claudio's to cross this in the smallest. Okay, the provost is saying, hey, I've got a strict command to execute Claudio. I might end up as bad as he is if I disobey the command, Duke. By the vow of mine order, I warrant you, if my instructions may be your guide, let this Bernardine be this morning executed and his head borne to Angelo. Provost, Angelo has seen them both and will discover the favor. Duke, oh, death's a great disguiser, and you may add to it, shave the head and tie the beard and say it was the desire of the penitent that he so bared before his death. You know the course is common. If anything fall to you upon this, more than thanks and good fortune by the saint whom I profess, I will plead against it with my life. So um, the Duke, as friar, says uh, that he'll answer for the provost. I don't know if the provost is going to go for this. Let's see. Provost, pardon me, good father. It is against my oath. <clears throat> Duke, were you sworn to the duke or to the deputy? Provost, to him and to his substitutes. Duke, you will think you have made no offense if the duke avouch the justice of your dealing. Provost, but what likelihood is it in that? Is in that. But what likelihood is in that? Duke, not a resemblance, but a certainty. Yet since I see you fearful that neither my code, integrity, nor persuasion can with ease attempt you, I will go further than I meant. To plug all fears out of you. Look, sir, look you, sir. Here is the hand and seal of the Duke. He shows the provost a paper. You know the character, I doubt not. And the signet is not strange to you. Okay, the character, that's the, the Duke's handwriting. Double meaning though, of course, he knows the character of the Duke. Provost, I know them both. Duke. The contents of this is the return of the Duke. You shall anon over overread it at your pleasure. Where you shall find within these two days he will be here. This is a thing that Angelo knows not, for he is this very day receives letters of strange tenor, perchance of the Duke's death, perchance entering into some monastery, by chance nothing of what is written. Look, the unfolding star calls up the shepherd. Okay, that is, it's about morning time. Put not yourself in amazement how these things should be. All difficulties are but easy when they are known. Call your executioner, and off with Bernadine's head. I will give him a present shrift and advise him for a better place. Yet you are amazed, but this shall absolutely resolve you. He gives the provost the paper. Come away. It is almost clear dawn. They exit. Scene three, enter Pompey. Pompey. I'm as well acquainted here as I was in our house of profession. One would think it were mistress, mistress over Dunn's own house. 
Here be many of her old customers. First, here's young Master Rash. He's in for a commodity of brown paper and old ginger, nine score and 17 pounds, of which he made five marks ready money. Okay, I guess that's, uh, um, you know, it could be counterfeiting um, or maybe uh, false medicines. Back to the tank, still Pompey. Mary then Ginger was not much in request, for the old women were all dead. And there is one Master Caper at the suit of Master Three Pile, the mercer, for some four suits of peach-colored satin, which now peaches him a beggar. Okay, so that's uh, Master Caper is in for a debt. Then, then have we here young Dizzy and young Master Deep Bow and Master Copper Spur and Master Starve Lackey, the rapier and dagger man, and young Drop Air that killed Lusty Pudding, and Master Forthlight the Tilter, and Master Brave Shutai the Great Traveler, and Wild Halfcan that stabbed Pots, and I think 40 more, all great doers in our trade, and now, and are now for the Lord's sake. Enter a porson, a porson, Sirrah, bring Bernadine hither, Pompey calling. Master Barnadine, you must rise and be hanged, Master Barnadine, a porson calling. What ho, Barnadine, Barnadine with an epoxy your throat. Who makes that noise there? What are you, Pompey, calling to Barnadine off stage. Your friend, sir, the hangman. You must be so good, sir, to rise and be put to death, Barnadine with it. Away, you rogue, away, I am sleepy. And poor son to Pompey, tell me must awake, and that quickly too. Okay, quickly, I guess the devil meaning there with quick being alive. He's about to be dead, Pompey calling. Pray, Master Barnardine, awake till you are executed, and sleep afterwards, or so. A poor son, go into him and fetch him out, Pompey. He is coming, sir, he is coming. I hear a straw rustle. A poor son, is the axe upon the block, sirrah? Pompey, very ready, sir. So they're going to uh, hang him or cut his head off? Well, we'll see. Enter Barnardine. Barnardine, how now, poor son? What's the news with you? A poor son, truly, sir, I would desire you to clap into your prayers, for look you, the warrants come. Barnardine, you rogue, I've been drinking all night. I'm not fitted for it. Okay, so he's not ready to be killed because he's drunk. Uh, Pompey, oh, the better, sir, for he that drinks all night and is hanged betimes in the morning may sleep the sounder all the next day. Enter Duke, a poor son to Barnardine. Look you, sir, here comes your ghostly father. Do we just now, thank you. Okay, so in other words, it's a priest. So look, he calls him his ghostly father, though. Duke to Barnardine. Sir, induced by my charity and hearing how hastily you are to depart, I am come to advise you, comfort you, and pray with you. Barnardine, for are not I have been drinking hard all night, and I will have more time to prepare me, or they shall beat me, beat out my brains with billets. I will not consent to die this day, that's certain. Duke. Oh, sir, you must, and therefore I beseech you look forward on the journey you shall go, Bernadine. I swear I will not to die today for any man's persuasion, Duke, but hear you, Bernadine, not a word. If you have anything to say to me, come to my ward, for thence will not I today. He exits. Duke, unfit to live or die. Oh, gravel hard. After him, fellows, bring him to the block. Abhorson and Pompey exit. Enter Provost. Provost, now, sir, how, how did you find the prisoner? Duke, a creature unprepared, unmeet for death, and to transport him in the mind, he is word damnable. Unmeet, that's unready for death. Uh, Provost, here in the prison, Father, there died this morning of a cruel fever, 
one Ragazine, a most notorious pirate, a man of Claudio's years, his beard and head just of his color. What if we do omit this reprobate till he were well inclined and satisfy the deputy with a visage of Ragazine more like to Claudio? Okay, so they just so happens that they have another body handy, someone who died of illness, a, a, a most notorious pirate, Duke. Oh, tis an accident that heaven provides. Dispatch it presently. The hour draws on, prefixed by Angelo. See this be done, and sent according to command, whilst I persuade this rude wretch willingly to die. Provost. This shall be done, good father, presently. But Bernadine must die this afternoon. And how shall we continue, Claudio, to save me from the danger that might come if he were known alive? Duke, uh, let this be done. Put them in secret holes, both Barnadine and Claudio. Ere twice the sun hath made his journal greeting to yonder generation, you shall find your safety manifested. Okay, so two days, what are you saying? Um, to hide them for two days. Provost, I am your free dependent, Duke. Quick dispatch and send the head to Angelo. Provost exits, Duke. Now will I write letters to Angelo, the provost he shall bear them, whose contents shall witness to him. I am near at home. Okay, so the Duke is now being himself. And that by great injunctions I am bound to enter publicly. Him I'll desire to meet me at the consecrated fount, font, a league below the city. And from thence by cold gradation and well-balanced form, we shall proceed with Angelo. Enter provost carrying a head. Provost, here is the head. I'll carry it myself. Duke, convenient it is, is it. Make a swift return, for I would commune with you of such things that want no ears but yours. Provost, I'll make all speed. He exits. Isabella within. Peace, ho, be here. Isabella, the tongue, uh, Duke, the tongue of Isabel. She's come to know if yet her brother's pardon be come hither, but I will keep her ignorant of the good and make her heavenly comforts of despair when it is least expected. Okay, so the, I don't know why he would do that, but apparently he's going to tell her that uh, her brother's dead. Well, let's see. Enter Isabella. Isabella, ho, by your leave, Duke. Good morning to you, fair and gracious daughter. Isabella, the better given me by so holy a man. Had the other deputies sent my brother's pardon? Duke, he hath released him, Isabel, from the world. His head is off and sent to Angelo. Isabella, nay, it is not so, but it is not so, Duke. It is no other. Show your wisdom, daughter, and your close patience. Isabella, oh, I will to him and pluck out his eyes. Duke, you shall not be admitted to his sight. Isabella, unhappy Claudio, wretched Isabel, injurious world, most damned Angelo. Duke, this nor hurts nor profits you a jot. Forbear it, therefore give your cause to heaven. Mark what I say, which you shall find, by every syllable of faithful verity. The Duke comes home tomorrow. Nay, dry your tears. One of our convent and his confessor gives me this instance. Already he hath carried notice to Aeschylus and Angelo, who do prepare to meet him at the gates, there to give up their power. If you can, face your wisdom in that good path that I would wish it go. You shall have your bosom on this wretch. Grace of the Duke, revenges to your heart and general honor. Isabella, I am directed by you. Duke, showing her a paper. This letter then to Friar Peter give. 
Tis that he sent me of the Duke's return. Say by this token, I desire his company at Mariana's house tonight. Her cause and yours, I'll perfect him with all, and he shall bring you before the Duke to the head of Angelo. Has a head, notice there, on Angelo, where he thinks he's got Claudio's head. Accuse him home and home. For my poor self, I am combined by a sacred vow and shall be absent. Wend ye with this letter, he hands her the paper. Command those fretting waters from your eyes with a light heart. Okay, the fretting waters from your eyes. That's dry your tears, which he already said. Trust not my holy order if I pervert your course. Who's here? Enter Lucio. Good even, friar. Where's the provost? Duke. Not within, sir. Lucio. Oh, pretty Isabella, I am pale at mine heart to see thine eyes so red. Thou must be patient. I am fain to dine and sup with water and bran. I dare not for my head to fill my belly. Unfruitful meal would set me to it. But they say the duke will be here tomorrow. By my troth, Isabella, I love thy brother. The old fantastical duke of dark corners had been at home. He had lived. He calls him uh, the duke, the old fantastical duke of dark corners. And he has been rather secretive. And I guess uh, also the dark corners could be there a reference to. As a friar, he probably was wearing a hood over his head the whole time. Duke. Sir, the Duke is marvelous little beholding to your reports, but the best is he lives not in them. Friar. Uh, Lucio. Friar, thou knowest not the Duke so well as I do. He's a better woodman than thou takest him for. Duke. Well, you'll answer this one day. Fare you well. Lucio. Nay, Terry, I'll go along with thee. I can tell thee pretty tales of the Duke. Duke. You have told me too many of him already, sir, if they be true. If not true, none were enough. Lucio. I was once before him for getting a wench with child. Duke, did you such a thing? Lucio, yes, Mary, did I, but I was fain to forswear it. They would else have married me to the rotten meddler. Okay, so looks like everybody here is, uh, is getting women pregnant uh, outside of marriage. Duke, sir, your company is fairer than honest. Rest you well. Lucio. Your company is fairer than honest. I guess that could mean there that uh, your company, he's talking about himself, um, that he is fairer uh, than he is honest, because he's, he's, I guess, living a lie here. He's pretending to be the friar still. Rest you well, Lucio, by my troth. I'll go with thee to the lanes, and if body talk offend you, we'll have very little of it. Nay, friar, I am a kind of burr. I shall stick. They exit. Scene four, enter Angelo and Escalus. Every letter he hath read hath this avouched in other. Angelo, in most uneven and distracted manner, his actions show much like to madness. Pray have heaven his wisdom be not tainted. And why meet him at the gates and deliver our authorities there? Okay, so it's almost like Angelo is, uh, is planning a mutiny or something, thinking, well, maybe the Duke's mad. Escalus, I guess not. Angelo, and why should we proclaim it in an hour before his entering, that if any crave redress of injustice, they should exhibit their petitions in the street? Okay, so uh, Angelo maybe is beginning a bit nervous here on how he's uh, used his authority. This uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, one of Christ's parable about the uh, uh, the servants who are left in charge, you know, and they don't know when their their master will return and ill going for them if they get drunk and beat their other servants and so forth. 
because the master comes at an hour when they do not expect it. Back to the text, Aeschylus. He shows his reason for that, to have a dispatch of complaints and deliver us from devices hereafter, which shall then have no power to stand against us. Angelo, well, I beseech you, let it be reclaimed. Be times in the morning. I'll call you at your house. Give notice to such men of sword and suit as are to meet him. Okay, so Angela at least is going to carry out the Duke's command there. Aeschylus, I shall, sir. Fare you well. Angela, good night. Aeschylus exits. Okay, here. Soliloquy of Angelo. This deed unchafes me quite. Makes me unpregnant and dull to all proceedings. Okay, so he's unpregnant, unlike all the women, of the other women in the play. Back to the text, Delangelo, a deflowered maid, and by an eminent body that enforced the law against it, but that her tender shame will not proclaim against her maiden loss, how might she tongue me? Yet reason dares her no, for my authority bears of a credent bulk that no particular scandal once can touch, but it confounds the breather. So he's saying he's not worried that Isabella is going to tell on him because uh, she'll she would be ashamed to do that. He should have lived, save that his riotous youth with dangerous sense might in the times to come obtain revenge by so receiving a dishonored life with ransom of such shame. Would yet he had lived, alack, when once our grace we have forgot, nothing goes right. We would and we would not. He exits. Scene five. Enter Duke and Friar Peter. Duke giving the friar papers. These letters at fit time deliver me. The prelate knows our purpose and our plot. The matter being afoot, keep your instruction and hold you ever to our special drift. Though sometimes you do blench from this to that. And give him where I, where I, stay, where I stay. And tell him where I stay. Give the like notice to Valencius, Roland, and to Crassus. And bid, bid the trumpets to the gate. Send me Flavius first. Friar Peter. It shall be speeded well. Okay, that's an actual friar. He exits. Enter Varius, Duke. I thank thee, Varius. Okay, then now Duke, the Duke has obviously now um, revealed himself as the Duke. I thank thee, Varius. Thou hast made good haste. Come, we will walk. There's other our friends will greet us here anon. My gentle Varius. They exit. Scene six. Enter Isabella and Mariana. Isabella. To speak so indirect, indirectly, I am loathed. I am loath. I would say the truth, but to accuse him so, that is your part. Yet I am advised to do it. He says to veil for full purpose. Ariana, be ruled by him. Isabella, besides, he tells me that if peradventure he speak against me on the adverse side, I should not think it strange, for tis a physic that's bitter to sweet end. Okay, the, the he that they're referring to there, I'm sure, is a, the duke. And he told Isabella to accuse Angelo first, and that um, Angelo will probably uh, accuse her. Um, and that she's supposed to be patient and see how it plays out. Mariana, I would Friar Peter, and enter Friar Peter. Isabella, oh, peace, the friar is come. Friar Peter, come, I have found you out of stand most fit, or you may have such vantage on the duke, he shall not pass you. Twice have trumpets sounded. The generous and gravest citizens have hent the gates, and very near upon the duke is entering. Therefore, hence, away they exit. Act 5, Scene 1. Well, let's start this. Enter Duke, Varius, Lords, Angelo, Aeschylus, Lucio, 
provost officers and citizens at several doors. Duke to Angelo, my very worthy cousin, fairly met to Aeschylus. Our old and faithful friend, we are glad to see you. Okay, so Angelo and the Duke apparently are uh, relations of some sort. He calls him a cousin, of course. And in Shakespeare's time, that can mean any sort of relation. Um, also, sometimes it could just mean nobility. They call them, they would call each other cousins, whether they were actually related or not. Angelo Aeschylus, happy return to happy return be to your royal grace, Duke. Many and hearty thankings to you both. We have made inquiry of you, and we hear such goodness of your justice that our soul cannot but yield you forth to public thanks for running more requital. So the Duke saying, "Hey, I heard good things about you, Angelo." You make my bonds still greater, Duke. Oh, your deserts be cloud, and I should wrong it to lock it in the wards of covert bosom, when it deserves with characters of brass afforded residence against the tooth of time and raisin of oblivion. Okay, so uh, he says, oh, I'd be, I'd be doing wrong if I didn't shout your praises out and if I locked them in myself secretly. Uh, covert bosom. Uh, that's probably a reference there to all the uh, the nasty secret double dealings that Angelo has been doing. Back to the text, still Duke. Give me your hand and let the subject see to make them know that outward courtesies would fain proclaim favors that keep within. Come, Aeschylus, you must walk by us on our other hand, and good supporters are you. Okay, so they're going to be on each of his hands, sort of holding him up, I guess. Enter Friar Peter and Isabella. Friar Peter to Isabella. Now is your time. Speak loud and kneel before him. Isabella kneeling. Justice, O oh, royal duke, fail your regard upon a wronged. I would fain have, have said a maid. Okay, she's no longer a maid, she says. O oh, worthy prince, dishonor not your eye by throwing it on any other object. So have you heard me my true complaint and given me justice, 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 justice. Duke, relate your wrongs. In what, by whom? Be brief. Here is Lord Angelo shall give you justice. Reveal yourself to him. Okay, so supposedly she had revealed herself to Lord Angelo. <coughs> Isabella, oh, worthy Duke, you bid me seek redemption of the devil. Hear me yourself, for that which I speak must either punish me, not being believed, or wring redress from you. Hear me, oh, hear me here. Okay, um, that's H-E-A-R, hear me, oh, H-E-A-R, hear me, and then hear, H-E-R-E. My lord, her wits, I fear, are not firm. She hath been a suitor to me for her brother, cut off by the course of justice. Isabella standing. By course of justice? Angelo. And she will speak most bitterly and strange. Isabella, most strange, but yes, most truly will I speak. That Angelo's forsworn, is that not strange? That Angelo's a murderer, is not strange? That Angelo is an adulterous thief, an hypocrite, virgin violator, is it not strange and strange, Isabella? Not Duke. Nay, it is ten times strange, Isabella. Is it not truer? He is Angelo. Then this is all as true as it is strange. Nay, it is ten times true, for truth is truth. At the end of reckoning, Duke, away with her, poor soul. She speaks of this in the affirmative sense, though she's out of her mind, says the Duke. Isabella, oh, prince, I conjure thee, as thou believest there is another comfort than this world, that thou neglect me not with that opinion that I am touched with madness. 
okay? As I believe there is another comfort than this world, that is, if, if he believes in God and heaven. Back to the text, Elizabeth. Make not impossible that which but seems unlike, tis not impossible, but one, the wickedest catif on the ground may seem as shy and grave as just as absolute as Angelo. Even so may Angelo in all his dressings, caracks, titles, forms, be an arch villain. Believe it, royal prince, prince. If he be less, he's nothing, but he's more, had I more name for badness. Duke. I'm on honesty, if she be mad, as I believe no other. Her madness hath the oddest frame of sense. Such a de dependency of, of, th of things, such a dependency of thing on thing, as ere I heard in madness, Isabella. Oh, gracious Duke, harp not on that, nor do not banish reason for inequality, but let your reason serve to make the truth appear where it seems hid, and hide the fault seems true. Duke. Many that are not mad have sure more lack of reason. What would you say, Isabella? I am the sister of one Claudio, condemned upon the act of fornication to lose his head, condemned by Angelo. I, in probation of sisterhood, was sent to it to by my brother, one Lucio, and then the messenger. Okay, so uh, she was sent to Lucio, Lucio to Duke. That's I, and like your grace, I came to her from Claudio and desired her to try her gracious fortune with Lord Angelo for her poor brother's part. Try her gracious fortune? Okay. Uh, Isabella to Duke. That he, that's he indeed, Duke to, to Lucio. You are not bid to speak. Lucio, no, my good Lord, nor wish to hold my peace. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time, so oh, the bad place to stop. We'll pick up here next time. And until then, adieu.